Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're in the fishbowl at Build again. This is day two. Day three? Day two. Day really? two? Yeah. I don't remember. But uh, it's Thursday anyway. It is Thursday. And they just did some uh, interesting keynote announcements, which I'll talk about in Better Know Framework. Yeah, okay. All right, dude, what do you got? Well, in particular, I was interested because, you know, we're talking XAML, we're talking HoloLens and all of that stuff that uh, there's an article that came out today in PC World that talks about these new mixed reality devices. And uh, the headline is Microsoft's mixed reality devices undercut the Rift and Vive with lower prices. That's interesting. Yeah. So Acer and HP are offering headsets priced at $399 or less. And Microsoft's mixed virtual reality ecosystem is therefore a lot more affordable. So uh, let's talk about Acer. They have already shown their mixed reality developer edition headsets at Build and elsewhere. But they plan to ship a consumer version by this summer. $299 for just the headset and $399 for the headset and controllers. It's another thing they announced today. Was, right, uh, the controllers. Controllers for mixed reality. With these are handheld things. They kind of look like, uh, you know, they kind of look like is those things that uh, defibrillators you know, they have these circles. Right. Well, they They're kept flying around in the display, too. And it's like, how do you hold on to them? They keep flying around like that. Yeah. But yeah. They, they're interesting. interesting. I, it's one of those things you're just going to have to try. Absolutely. Like, you're going to have to get a feel for them. Right. Well, anyway, they, they do look pretty cool. And obviously, being able to control your world is, is a good thing. So they go on to say, HP will also announce a mixed reality developer kit on Thursday. That's today. Priced at $329 for the headset alone. HP's headset will also ship by summer, while... Headsets from other manufacturers like Asus and Dell are expected later in the year, closer to the holiday season. So, yeah. And then they actually show a picture of the motion controller right there. And it is it is really cool. And they say a defibrillator. It's 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 open. It's got a circle and right. a handle and a trigger. And, uh, and apparently no external cameras or sensors and stuff needed with it, which right. is important, right? You don't have to set up your room. All right. And Microsoft will be referring to the, the controllers as 6DOF controllers, so the six degrees of freedom. Okay. Yeah. They cool. to move up and down, back and forth, tilting and yawing, and all that stuff. So, very cool. Well, you know, uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see how that comes up in conversation. But maybe it will, maybe it won't. But that's that's what I got today. Awesome, dude. Who's talking to us? Grab the comment off of show thirteen seventy one, the one we did with Imo Landworth. This is back in November twenty sixteen, talking about .NET standard. Back in the earlier days of that topic, right? Because uh, we also talked to Scott Hunter about it at one point as well, right? Sure. Uh, and Chris Berthold had this comment. He says, I like what I'm hearing and seeing about .NET Standard. I think it is the right approach to prevent the same fate that Java suffered. I'm not calling Java dead, but I feel .NET has a higher adoption rate and tending to be more forward-looking. Yeah. I think the rewrite kind of helped in going open source and cross-platform. Sure did. Uh, Java tried to be a write-once-run-everywhere-and-everything development platform. I thought it was write-once-debug-everywhere. Isn't that <laughs> it? Uh, it did a good job, but lost ground in a similar LCD manner, going too high up the stack. Trying to make everything a swing application just doesn't lend itself to the native platform feel. I still am hoping for some basic system.drawing functionality that will allow reporting tools and image manipulation tools to work cross-platform. Interesting problem. Having one cross-platform tool for reporting that works both online and offline is both lightweight and fast, would really accelerate the development cycle. Go team.net standard. Yeah. I have nothing to add. Nope. That's a good story. Rah, rah. For Chris, thanks so much. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. We defibrillate him. Nice. All right, let's introduce our guests. Yeah, I hear the crickets. Don't worry. No, I got that. Uh, Mike Harsh has been working on Microsoft development platforms since 2000. He worked for six years on Windows Form, also worked on the Xbox One development for a while, and is now GPM, General Program Manager on the Windows development platform team. Uh, Joe Stegman is also a General Program Manager at Microsoft and has had several roles in his 20-plus years of professional software development. At Microsoft, his focus is on developer platform slash tools and accessibility platform slash tools. But he's also consulted customers building solutions on Microsoft platforms. He's got a diverse technical background, and while currently focused on managing product development, Joe's also an experienced developer and frequent presenter on Microsoft developer platforms. Welcome, guys. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Hey, Joe. How you doing? Good. Well, things are good. Things are good. 
And not uh, bad. We just uh, we just came out of the second day keynote actually, and there was some conversation about .NET standards and so forth. So it moves forward. Yes, that's correct. It yeah, does. we're pretty excited about it. Standard two o. Yes. Yep. That's the news. Yes. .NET Standard two o. That's well. So .NET Standard two o was announced last November, right, at VS Connect. Um, the announcement today was that it's going to be coming to UWP. Cool. Interesting. Uh, the Universal Windows platform. So. Really what that means, it's kind of a, a double-headed uh, win, if you will, for UWP. Um, the obvious one is that you can take your libraries that you've targeted towards .NET Standard 2.0 and now use those in a UWP. But the real win for UWP is that there's a lot of capabilities that just haven't been possible in UWP, things oh, that yeah. you just couldn't do. Um, and it's not just about reusing existing code, it's about that things that that code actually did, like weren't, weren't capable, you know, capabilities that UWP had. This is, you know... It kind of grew up as a a phone touch based platform, and right. it really wasn't designed from the ground up to be a full desktop replacement platform. Right, right. right. And, yeah. and we're growing it into that. And so .NET Standard gives you it's kind of a, a, a two pronged win because you get you know the, the compatibility with the .NET two o .NET Standard two o ecosystem, but you also get all these new capabilities, which are things you couldn't do before in your UV. Ah. So it's kind of a it's a it's it's a double win there, which is which is pretty awesome. And this is sort of the standard where everybody's kind of come together finally, right? Because yeah, there's yeah, been so, a bunch of different versions of .NET standard, yeah. but it was like, oh, well, this is where Xamarin is, and this is where yeah. Core is, right. but we're all going to land on two. Yeah, the, the, I mean, a lot of the feedback from, you know, again, the idea here is that library authors can use this to, to author, you know, right. NuGet packages and then, you know, publish them and share them. Mm. And the feedback from, you know, vast majority of these developers was, you know, it's great. It's an awesome start. Love the tool and love the direction. Where's API foo? And, you know, yeah. that was not a small set of APIs. Right. Um, and so if you look at the addition of .NET Standard, as you mentioned, it basically is the intersection of, you know, what's in the framework and what's in mono. Right. And right. so it's, it's about bringing the, all the things in the desktop framework and mono together in, um, in .NET Core and then also the implementation of uh, that that's in UWP, also bringing those things together. Um, and so the addition is it's like 20,000 new APIs. So wow. it's not a small amount. It basically no. doubles the size of, of that. Because wow. I, I really think when you, when you put a stake in the ground for your team and say, we're going to comply with this standard, you, get, you have this huge list yeah. of, right. of features you need to now implement. Yeah. And, and the thing that's interesting is because UWP uses um, basically precompiled.NET. So when you're developing it, you're, you're still using, you know, you're jitting on the right. fly, right? When yeah. you have F5. But when you send it to the store, you're actually... You're, you're precompiled locally, and the store pre uh, can't actually precompile it again uh, if they need to do security fixes or whatever. But effectively, you're sending down uh, not IL to the client. Right. You're yeah. sending down, you know, A basically, binary. yeah, you're sending down, you know, x86 bytecode. Yeah. Um, and so the or, or Xbox bytecode or whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, or ARM32. Yeah. And so the uh, the but not titanium. I don't think we've got got a lot of <laughs> Once upon a time, in the, yeah, in the there universe. was a version of Visual Studio that had a compiled Itanium. Yes, I'm yeah. just showing off how old I am, <laughs> right? But we not used, anymore. We used to have those giant machines oh, yeah. around in uh, in Building Nine where we were, and we called them the Itanics. Yeah, the Itanics. <laughs> it's true. Well, they were the way 64-bit shouldn't be done, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, the idea is, you know, you basically take a current instruction set and extend it versus just scrap everything. Yeah, um, start over. Yeah. Sounds a lot like our Windows 8 strategy. So you're doing also... <laughs> Sorry. Too did, soon? Did you say that out loud? You can't say that out loud. <laughs> Too soon. Um, so you're also making strides to, to sort of unify things on the UI level, right? The discrepancies yeah. between different flavors of XAML. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. The .NET standard today doesn't actually have any UI in it. Right. right. And so one of the things that we're adding is we're adding, uh, which is, was new that was announced at uh, day two of build today, um, was that we're adding XAML standard, which is really a standard version of XAML that you can now run in, for example, or use XAML markup the same in your Xamarin Forms app as you could in your UWP XAML app. And it, all the way back to WPF, right? Uh, our goal is is to anywhere where it makes sense to support it, right. we'd like to support it everywhere that it makes sense to support it. And, and essentially what you're doing is, you know, the things that were, you would call a text block in WPF are called something totally different in Xamarin Forms. And wow, wouldn't it be nice if we actually had the same name objects and that is properties. absolutely correct. Yes, we have you know input in one or a label in one, yeah. and maybe text block somewhere else yeah. and text box. And so a lot of those differences were sanding off, if you will, and providing this common 
subset that you'll be able to reuse your XAML files, if you will, across both of them. And it, and it clearly, it makes a lot of sense. Totally. And now with the, the Xamarin acquisition, it's a lot easier yeah. for us to make that progress. The All one right. thing is we're gonna start out small. It's a markup definition. We'll start out small. And then based on feedback, we'll uh, continue to expand the support of, if you will, XAML tags and UI right. that we have in XAML standard. Because if you think about, I mean, going all the way back to Avalon, that API was big. Like there was a there was 3D stuff in there. Like there was all kinds of crazy stuff. Silverlight seemed to be like, okay, let's just take the really important bits. And mm. that was the version that I think a lot of us actually worked with. Mm. But I don't know that anybody's gone and, and did a, planned a full implementation of everything that was originally in Avalon. Yeah, one of the interesting things about uh, XAML standard that takes a difference from what Silverlight tried to do, for example, mm -hmm. and for what it's worth, both Mike and I started out uh, pretty much on day one on Silverlight. Yay. Um, yeah. Yes, that's, yep. that was our roots. Awesome. That was another way to get to cross-platform. Yeah, so yeah. Silverlight was really a cross-platform UI framework, if yeah. you will. You kind of write your UI once, run it everywhere, and it yeah. looked the same everywhere. Yeah, and it, you know, it was great. And it worked. It, it's, it was great until the market forces changed it. That, you know? That's right, and then uh, market forces changed. Uh, are you trying to quote Bob Moo there? Um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> also too soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, it, it was great. Uh, one of the things that uh, we've done with uh, Xamarin Forms um, and XAML Standard to follow this model is that Xamarin Forms effectively just generates, it's, if you will, uh, an abstraction layer that generates native UI behind mm -hmm. the scenes. And mm -hmm. so it tries to be as thin of an abstraction layer as possible and generating native controls. And so what we've done with XAML Standard is it's really a markup standard. Yeah. But at runtime, the button will generate a button on iOS that looks like an iOS button right. nice. and a button on Windows that looks like a Windows button and a button on Android that'll look like an Android button um, so that people still get an, a, a fully native app. And we're yes. not actually simulating that button. We're right. actually rendering that button or using that button behind the scenes. Yeah. So one of the more challenging things that we'll run into with uh, XAML standard is we don't have the same set of controls and functionality mm. across all platforms. And since we're not building a UI platform we're taking everywhere, we're instead building this common subset that you can run everywhere. We don't have quite the same flexibility we had before in being able to have a full immersive right. uh, UI framework, if you will. And then you have behavioral differences between the platforms that you know you can't really unify. That's completely outside your level of uh, control. That's correct. And we'll still have styling and behavioral differences sure. today because the goal is we really want it to make it easy for you to create simple, like think of a simple form, you're right. filling out a data form. That, for the most part, the the differences you might run into in, in terms of behavioral differences will probably be pretty small, if, right. if at all. And so we want to start with that sort of a subset where you can use everywhere and the behavioral differences as a developer probably won't won't get in your way. All right. I really want as a developer is it doesn't break. You know, yeah. it, it but, might be a little different, but it, you know, but it's not actually broken. Absolutely, it'll yeah. be it'll look a little different. But in some ways, um, we see a lot more developers, especially the ones building native apps. They want the look and feel and the experience on the native device, and right. so they actually want that native yeah. look and feel. And so this gives them a really good way to be able to create native experiences that they can share across yeah. iOS, Android, right. via Xamarin Forms. UWP and other platforms that gives them a simple definition that'll actually render native on the different platforms. And, and as we've seen, people can actually create games with Xamarin Forms that look great and, you know, 2D games. Essentially, they, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. They work great. Yeah, it yep. can be done. So in coming up with a standard, do you pick like your favorite flavor of XAML and say, this is going to be the standard everybody builds to this? Or is it some kind of center consensus? Do you arm wrestle? Uh, <laughs> How do you get there? It, it's uh, it's mud wrestling. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Even better. We can sell so, video um, to that. There are some things that are... You don't want that video. Uh, I'm just thinking Miguel Diacaza. Yeah. Oh, please, well, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> so, so we do actually work with, with Miguel, obviously. A, obviously, a bunch yeah. Of, I mean, a guy uh, very passionate about XAML. That's right. Um, and uh, some of the differences... He's fierce in that mud wrestling yeah. match, too. <laughs> the guy is pushy. <laughs> That's right. He, yes, he, he brings Small his, and scrappy. Yeah, he He'll brings his you. own like oil and lubes up ahead of time. So <laughs> oh, guys. <laughs> you can edit that out. You can keep that in. I don't you know, know. they right. told us the Microsoft guys we shouldn't be dirty. Yeah, don't mouth, be too you know, silly. Don't, you know, don't be too silly. Microsoft guys are really serious, and they're like, they're bringing know. this to the table. I've seen yeah. Joe Stegman before. Yeah, I'm not that serious a guy. <laughs> uh, really, we're serious. <laughs> it's Miguel who's not serious. Clearly, yes. So anybody who'd oil them up like that is clearly. Not serious. <laughs> I'm out. I'm going back to I'm going back to the tech. I'm more comfortable. It's a little more terra firma there for me. There's a lot less oil in tech. It's yeah. 
<laughs> so in terms of uh, how we unify, some of the things like a stack panel versus stack layout right. are rather mm -hmm. easy. The naming differences were rather right. arbitrary. And so we yeah. just, since WPF and UWP XAML have been around a little longer, we just tend to, when it doesn't matter, we use those. But there are other times where in Xamarin Forms, they picked new names. And the reason they did was because the capability wasn't actually available right. universally. Yeah. And so in some cases, we're going to their naming or introducing new properties that didn't exist before. So sort of build a superset between these things so that you, you all have a place to move to? Yeah, it's more of a subset yeah. with some additions on the UWP XAML right. side and some right. additions on Xamarin Forms. But it's what we feel is a coherent subset when you take into account the full, what actually works on uh, iOS and Android and what works on Windows today. We yeah. take that, if you will, coherent subset. And I got to think for 1.0, you're trying to make a minimum set that's useful that you can all agree on that everybody needs to contribute something to their code base to make real. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And that's then fair. we'll take feedback. We actually uh, posted, uh, we went live with our GitHub today. And, and when this, when you actually run this, uh, play this podcast, it'll be whatever a month in the, in the past. But we have uh, now a repro on GitHub where we're taking uh, feedback, nice. which already my phone has been lighting up with yeah. uh, like a hundred already uh, feedback requests for how they'd like to see it right. added in and extended, um, which is super exciting to see because we're literally whatever, 90 minutes since the announce. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you're talking about all the Xamarin uh, platforms, but now you're also talking about UWP as well. So all the Microsoft-centric platforms will all have the same names, naming conventions. Yep, and that's everything. correct, yep. yes. And so yeah. our goal here is you know, you're creating a native app. You may be creating native UWP using Xamarin Forms for iOS and Android. There are some screens where it's going to make to, you know, make sense to share the, right. the XAML, if you will, right. um, like a simple setting screen. Well, do those need to be different? You At think all. of, a, uh, yeah, on an Xbox, maybe I have an Xbox and an, I, an app that runs on Xbox and iPhone, and yes, there are people who do that. Yeah. 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 Netflix is just one example. Yep, yep. And they want their experiences to be really immersive on both those um, devices. And so they're and consistent. Yeah, they're, they're gen consistent with the device. Yeah. And so they're tailoring for Xbox and they're tailoring for iOS. And so they do a lot of customization. But there are some things like a simple setting screen. Mm -hmm. Can that be the same? It's vertical layout. Yes. In those cases, we're really targeting at least the initial version of, of uh, XAML standard to be able to allow you to create some common definition for that that renders natively that you can now share between the, the different experiences. It's very yeah. exciting. I want to, cool. I would really want to add to that because I think this is the thing that a lot of people miss when they talk about, uh, you know, Xamarin Forms, which will, you know, kind of evolve into Xamarin standard, XAML standard, and really any of these kind of UI sharing technologies is, it's really a spectrum and you can mix that spectrum within an app, right? right. Like the, you know, you can use Xamarin or obviously, you know, just straight up XAML on, on uh, Windows to create native UI for your, for your, your, the primary experiences you care about the most, like the landing page, right? Mm -hmm. You can make that kind of to, you know, totally handcrafted just for that device. Um, and then things like Joe mentioned, like settings, you know, you can have that be shared or things that are lower value UI, you, places where it makes sense, you know, to kind of tweak more energy versus more experience, right? You can kind of have that slider and so you can change it. And then there's things where like, maybe you've got a, a set of help files that you want to be absolutely consistent everywhere and those are just HTML. So you could load those in a web view. So you've got kind of this, this suite of different technologies for different levels of sharing across different places and you can adjust them inside an app. So it's not just that an right. app is all Xamarin Forms, right. it's you're using you know, a bunch of different, uh, different technologies. So here's Absolutely. something, I, I've noticed that in Xamarin Forms, there's a way that you can specify native uh, with XAML markup, native controls for the iOS platform, for the Android platform, for Windows. And that idea is really cool because now you can use the same UI, but it's, it's tailored yep. for each individual device. Will you guys take that same approach with XAML standard, you think? Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that we want to do with uh, XAML standard. The first step is doesn't have those capabilities, but that's that's where we want to go. We'd love it so that you can now create one shared XAML file that actually had the native light up in it mm. versus only being able to share the things that are just common. Right. Um, so, so that is the path we want to go. But for V1, um, th there's a lot of, uh, there's even a lot of challenges, believe it or not, in just getting over that hurdle. And it does yeah, involve yeah. sometimes mud wrestling with Miguel and his whole team. Got it. Um, and other times the technology and unifying, if you will, a, a XAML compiler mm -hmm. that everybody can share that has these capabilities is just a technical challenge mm -hmm. that we're working to overcome. But, but that is where we, we'd like to go. We'd like to make it as simple as possible. Our goal is productivity. You can write your backend code using C-sharp.net, using .NET Standard 2.0. You can pretty much write the same code. It'll run everywhere. And can mm. we allow you to start writing more and more of your UI in a way that you can now share it 
everywhere where it makes sense? And can we even start to allow you to write native UI, more native UI in XAML in a single XAML file that can be shared everywhere? And if Love that it. makes you more productive, that's the direction we want well, to go. Well, I mean, most folks we've talked to that are dealing with this issue, they, they want to kind of go the MVC approach and they just have a few different views based on the device. So it's right. like, the, these are the views that are iOS specific, these are the views that are shared, these are the views that are Windows specific and so forth, but they want one code base. Yeah. Even if they have to compile it to different platforms. Yes. And so, so that, that's definitely where we get today is, is one code base. Right. And then it's how many, do you have different market files, for example, XAML market files for the different platforms and right. how much of that can we allow you to start sharing? Awesome. Hey guys, hang on one second while we take a minute to uh, pay the bills. This episode of .NET Rocks is made possible in part by Windows on the Google Cloud Platform. You may not know this, but the Google Cloud Platform supports Windows Server 2008, 2012, and 2016. It also supports SQL Server versions 2012, 2014, and 2016 standard web and enterprise editions with high availability. You can deploy your ASP.NET Windows apps to Compute Engine or your ASP.NET Core apps to App Engine or Container Engine. That's Google's hosted Kubernetes environment. .NET and .NET Core libraries are there for all 200-plus Google.com and cloud services in NuGet, led by John Skeet of Stack Overflow fame. But what about Visual Studio integration? Oh, it's there. You can use Visual Studio to manage your GCP resources and deploy your existing apps. You get stack driver logging, error reporting, and tracing support for .NET and .NET Core. PowerShell commandlets for GCP, which run on Windows and Linux. And a great set of partners to bring your Windows and .NET workloads to GCP, including Capgemini, Nudesic, and Magenic. So go to gcp.netrocks.com and get your free trial today. You're listening to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell, and we're here with Mike Harsh and Joe Stegman talking about standards, .NET standards, XAML standard, all the new things that, uh, that we're just learning about here at Build, and uh, you've probably heard about already. And it occurs to me that on the UI side, I mean, we're really talking about screen size in some respects, maybe distance, like you're going to an Xbox, you need a 10-foot viewing effect, but it's the, U, the inputs have got to change. How do you write XAML that's like sometimes your touch, sometimes your mouse, sometimes mm. your controller... Yeah, Maybe question. connect, gesture. So this is uh, one of the reasons why XAML standard itself uh, leverages the native platform for mm -hmm. actually doing the rendering. And it's because the native platforms, for example, UWP XAML has built-in support for touch, for controller, for inking in the text boxes. Mm -hmm. And so effectively by us relying on the underlying platform, if you will, we get that, if you will, for, for free. Um, so if you want an ink-enabled text box, you just it's a XAML standard text box and right. on UWP XAML, you get that capability for free. And so from, and from a programmer's point of view, it's the same set of events. The fact that the guy wrote the, the letters out on a pen versus typed them on a keyboard, I don't know, I don't care. Yeah, so uh, if you're writing, um, for, for, for example, for inking, mm -hmm. that's transparent to the developer. Right. Yeah. The fact that they type in there is transparent. There may be things though that you're getting at, like uh, maybe I do want to know they touch. Maybe yeah. I do want to know that they swipe. And so one of the things is that even though you create the markup, a lot of times you will end up writing, if you will, your code behind right. that will have code that is platform-specific code because at this point in time, we're not trying to, if you will, unify the uh, OMs, the object models, right. for the interactions for the different platforms. Right, Instead, sure. You don't want, want the one great interaction event. Yes, you, exactly. You, you want to have a little more granular. But, but you know what? That's at the UI level. I mean, if you're executing the same commands in the view model, then... So what? So you have a swipe event handler that executes that command or, you, or, or a swipe event that's connected to that command. And you also have a button, perhaps, that's connected to that command. A absolutely. And so we think that's kind of how developers are likely to, to glue this together. But what we don't want to do is get in the way of people being able to take advantage of the new capabilities of the platform. Like, for example, if I want to do a custom swipe, we don't want to have to do kind of what we had to do in the Silverlight days, which is we had to implement it in the platform yeah, before right. a developer could actually use yeah, it. Yeah, right, that's a great here, point. Here, we want to make sure the developer is in no way, shape, or form ever goes, wow, I want to do this, and XAML standard is getting in my way. Yeah, Instead, yeah. we want to make sure they have that full underlying platform. And it's that just they can another kind of event for this U, U, unique UI device or new behavior that you want. You just declare it. That, that's you right. And we do think that you know over time we'll get to the point where simple things like button clicks, for example, we may be able to unify those to make mm -hmm. it easier to program against those. But we don't want to do that to the detriment of not allowing a developer to get full access to everything, they, all the input and output 
access they need for that device. When you have a really UI sensitive app or something that's distinctive, then it's you're not that person's not worried about having a unified click event. They're worried about don't get in the way of how am I using the accelerometer. Or exactly. Like if that. I'm on Xbox and I want to control how the where the controller goes to next when I hit the uh, thumbstick right. Yeah. I want to yeah. be able to do that. I don't want to have to go. Oh, I got to throw away my. XAML standard right. and go to a totally full UWP yeah, native way. because it didn't allow me these capabilities yeah. or affordances that the underlying platform has. And this seemed to be the battle, you know, with the PCL libraries back in the old days. Like it's interesting how you you've learned stuff when you really do ha now have a diverse set of clients. Absolutely. It's like yeah. you, you think you had a plan, and it's like is each time you add a client an n you know n over n minus one problem, and it just gets so hard to manage after that. Mm. Yes, that, that's actually one of the announcements today was on the Fluent Design System, but mm. really the reason that we evolved from uh, the Metro Design System to the Fluent Design System was because we kept adding inputs. There was, right. you know, controller and speech, and ultimately we have to think about, you know, HoloLens yep. and working in a 3D MR VR environment, and there's even different inputs there, whether it's gaze or, or the new controllers. And how do sure. we create a system that really can adapt and work well in all those different environments and let the developer have full control over the right experiences for those different different environments? And so we, we've thought about that in XAML Standard where we didn't want to do anything to eclipse the underlying capabilities because we knew they'd be super Super powerful on different platforms, and you and you can't know what what's coming. That's it's exactly kind of impossible. Right. I mean, all I know for Unless sure, Alex. yeah, <laughs> yeah, Alex knows. Alex but knows it, all. But we're yeah. I'm pretty darn sure it's not mouse and keyboard for everything anymore. That's the only thing I'm pretty sure about now. Yeah, there is a desktop revitalization, but I'm pretty sure you're right that it's yeah. uh, uh, not. Well, you know the thing that I ne I always thought that a connect on a regular PC was kind of useful from the point of view of gesture control, almost mood sensitivity. I thought you were going to say NSA spying, but. <laughs> well, like, I mean, hey, that's a given. As a guy who puts a security <laughs> hat on a regular basis, the idea that I could build into my machine and group policy that if a second face appears yeah, in the, yeah. the screen, blank the screen out. Mm. That's that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah you know, cool. call it a it's a it's a boss key. It's automated. You All don't right. hear too much nice. about Connects these days. Is it because people aren't sitting at their desks anymore? Seriously. Um. I so I think Connect as a, uh, you know, having spent a lot of time on this in the in the Xbox One. Uh, when I was working on that. Um, basically, from the perspective of a game controller, it works really well when you're trying to emulate a human body, right? Because yeah. right. it can track a human body really well. Sure. It's got some cool, you know, the, the second generation sensor that was with the Xbox One had re enough resolution to really, you know, tell faces and do identity oh, yeah. really well. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I think the industry has collectively struggled with is the, you know, um, what was the Tom Cruise movie? With all the gestures, uh, Minority Report. Minority right. Report. That scene, yeah. which was ridiculous. Like yeah. I, I yeah, feel like that, is, that has haunted people yep. trying to do gestures in UI for you know a decade now. It's, it still it just, haunts me, by the way. That, <laughs> that and, and the Iron Man one where he puts on the yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you know you look at that and it seems so intuitive and magical. And you know maybe with enough computing power, enough AI, we can start to do things like that. But those interfaces really are very arduous for people to do, and they just don't work that well. Right. No, I mean, keeping the, your hand above the your heart. The minority report thing was the ultimate gorilla arm example, right? Yeah. Just like, that is incredibly hard. You know what we should do? We should hunt down all the outtakes of Tom Cruise trying to do that minority <laughs> report <laughs> movers. Because I bet you he just got tired and pissed off a bunch of times. Yeah. If we could find those pieces, like, I can't do this anymore. I need a break. Like, that. And, and you would find a lot of people like that in the yeah. development of Studio A working on gestures and on the Connect back in the Xbox One era. Like, yeah. the same kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. But it my favorite point of that movie, though, is, is, uh, that scene particularly, was mm. when... Um, like one person over here had another screen and there was like, oh, here's this, this, you know, suspect's ID. Right. Like, oh, we want to get it on this big touchy screen. So some guy sneaker and it's over. Yeah. Like, with, instead of just whipping it across the room, he like, yeah. he like, he ca carries a little screen of it over and sets it down on the other one and connects it. I'm like, really guys, <laughs> yeah, you've got right. all this stuff and you can't <laughs> right. do wireless. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny to, to see the things that people think of and don't think of when, it, you know, when they yeah. see coming from technology. Yeah, it is, it is interesting because, uh, you know, as we do new innovations, you do discover things like that where people's arms just, 
can't hang all day out, out yeah. in right. front of them. Right. Um, and so then you have to figure out how to evolve the technology, whether that's speech, and then you try certain things with speech um, and evolve that. And, and I think, you know, in some ways, HoloLens is just an evolution, if you will. Of well, it's a, like they're taking the connect. connect, strapped it to your head, right. yes. and put a couple of lenses aimed at your eyes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, However, and, and, you and the connect is still used a ton yeah. attached to a PC for research and a bunch of other oh, yeah. products, right? That's, yeah, yeah. That's actually its, it's primary niche. That it's but found. I think it speaks to the fact that mobile is is where everybody is. I mean, you know, people aren't at their desks anymore. Really, they're not. I mean, the desks go with them. So, you know, yeah, you could put, make the webcam and every laptop a connect. Okay, that would work for everything. But, but the controllers for the HoloLens that we saw today, mm -hmm. for mixed reality, excuse me. So those, you know, I, I'm, the first question I had is, hey, why not, a, why not use a connect? Oh, because obviously you're going to take them into the next room. You're going to take them with you yep, wherever, yep. you know, because these emerging well, I mean, experiences are going to be in mobile. Absolutely. That, is, yeah. that is absolutely Alex's primary goal, right? The yeah. whole yeah. setup free inside out, um, yeah. you know, tracking for both the headset and the controllers. It's like, you know, yeah, you need to, it's going to be where you are. Yeah. Right. And not just in these kind of, what, what did Alex call them? VR spaces. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is uh, now? It must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to swipe right to stop the mud wrestling match and send Miguel de Acaza to the Zamel Standard Showers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, you guys can laugh. <laughs> that was <laughs> Carl, did you just write that? I mean, where did that come from? That. That's, uh, that's what I do, That's man. comedy gold. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the, the viewers may not realize you didn't take a cut there. I mean, no, he just, he just came legit. right up with that. I yeah. knew when he started bent, when we were going at it there, he went down. He had a joke in his mind. So that's why I knew we were getting ready for the break. <laughs> this is my <laughs> contribution to the .NET community right I here. I saw his eyes glassing over. I thought I was talking too much. <laughs> no, 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 you were. Like, you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from DevExpress to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Order your free 30-day trial today at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Alexander Bacalov. Oh, congratulations, Alex. Golf clap for you. Yeah. Yay. And Alexander just won the DevExpress D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from them, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands like of stuff. members all over the world. And every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to go sign up to win. And we also ask our guests, Mike, you're first. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? One and two-thirds HoloLenses. <laughs> <laughs> you think if you buy two at once, you get a discount maybe? No. Nope. No? <laughs> okay. Considering the price point, you could get 10 of the mixed reality headsets. There you go. <laughs> and 20 with 20 Crystal Key controllers. With the controllers. That was the, that was the oh, Okay. <laughs> crystal Key? Yeah. So, and, and Microsoft employees don't get a discount either, do no. they? No, no, those things are... Yeah, they are what they are. Yeah, they're, yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there. I'm itching Indeed. for a new HoloLens. Like, I've got the, the one that we can get right now, but I can't wait to see, because I figure we've got two Moore's Law cycles under our belt since those things were built. This yeah. should be amazing. Well, it already is amazing, but it should be even more amazing. Yeah, just staggering. What about you, Joe? What would you buy with five grand? With five grand, technology-wise, yeah. Um, you know, I'd probably buy one of the new uh, Surface laptops when they come out because I'm kind of mm. an old school laptop kind of guy. I and do want to really look at that machine, are, and I'm really fascinated nice by looking. Win 10s. Just like I want to feel that. All right, so tell us about that. What are these new? What do you say about Win 10s? What do I say about Win 10s and the Surface laptop, the new Surface laptops too, which people might not know. Well, about. The Surface laptop. Is beautiful. Like yes. that piece of hardware is awesome. Yep. Um, you know, they've had they've had uh, iterating on that design for quite a while internally. Um, you know, that Alcantara Surface is it feels surprisingly good. Um, you know, you're not talking about this one. No, no this not is a the book. No. Yeah, the book. We're, talking, the new laptop. Laptop. We're yeah. talking about the Surface. Yeah, it was yeah. An, you know it was yeah, announced on forever ago, like eight days or something. Something yes. like eight days ago. And it's actually uh, there's it's not a book. 
and it's not a uh, um, one of the Surface Pro classic Surface Pro devices. Yeah. It's a laptop, so it doesn't doesn't come apart. It's, I got gotcha. you. It looks kind of like uh, uh, iPad Air or uh, Apple Air. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, kind of. Nice. Yes, it's, it's airish, but it's got that sleek feel and, to it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and it's super, got a touchscreen. It works yeah. with the Windows Pen, so cool. I mean, it's, it's got you know, it's it's a proper surface in, in a lot of aspects of the family. Yes, it's a um, it's an awesome awesome device. All right, and Windows 10s. So Windows 10s, the promise there is that uh, get, um, for people who don't know, Windows 10s is a new mode of Pro, effectively that. Uh, um, if you if you have that installed on your system, you basically are limited to store apps. And the, the goal there is we want to create a system that has the uh, highest durability over time. We okay. want to make sure that, that the user has confidence, the same confidence in that device on day one as they had five years later. Yeah. And so right now with uh, Windows, traditional Windows, is we know there's this great set of Win32 apps, this long tail of Win32 apps, but we also know these apps can over time, some of the apps, it's unfortunate, but they can, if you will, rot the system sure. and yeah. start to degrade the performance of the system. And well, so and a lot of them, you know, a lot of the problem comes with these uh, free versions of Win32 apps that pile on these extra well, yeah, I mean, crapware. I, I look at Absolutely. this, I, I look, this is the, this is the, managing being your family's IT problem, right? Yeah. Like, you know, every time, every six months I go home and visit my parents and I'm like, you know, my dad's machine takes, you know, 15 minutes to boot. Right. And you're like, dad, how did you, how on earth did you get so many things running in your system track? You just and kept like, pressing okay. Yeah, and okay. 15, okay. 15 different, you know, yeah. uh, toolbars and, and yeah. the, you know, the browser, that obviously that's yeah. kind of a bit of an older problem. But like sure. that, you know, the kind of robustness of the ecosystem over time mm. um, is definitely a thing that, you know, has never really been tackled. Like, you know, we've done some interesting things with the kind of, uh, you know, Microsoft SKUs of things that you can buy from the Microsoft store that are, are very clean. Mm. But again, as soon as you go search for something on the web yeah. and you get the free version of it, like you mentioned, you're probably getting something else because the incentive is so strong. Like yeah. um, a lot of, you know, a That's lot of OEMs will give you a bunch of money to install their software with your software, right? right? And I mean, these are, you know, multiple dollars often yeah, yeah. Um, as kind of a bounty for, for getting installed. So and that's, that's how they get paid. That's very compelling, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you need some force to counter that, right? And there really is no force today. And, you know, the idea with 10s is to really have that be kind of a force to have people get you know, the best versions of the software, the clean versions of the software, and so the system stays clean. Yeah. Yeah, one of the key things about 10s is it's really a mode of Pro. It's not a, a separate right. version of Windows. Right. So if for whatever reason you find that you're in a situation where you, you find that you just can't get the app you want yeah. from on 10s, it's just not store deployed yet, then there is a way to just go to the store and unlock the device. And so that's right. a key thing is that you're oh, not good. selling, you're not getting a device that at some point in time you may find that it's got... Um, it's missing the app that you most critically need yeah, for whatever sure. reason, and you, you can't install that app on that device. So there is a way today to easily upgrade, to, if you will, to f full pro. But it's deliberate. I mean, it's shut Ab off by default. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, that's yes, good. Absolutely. Because we want to make a nano server, right? Like nano server only runs 64 bit. Mm. One of the reasons it got it so light and clean is it's just purely 64-bit. Mm -hmm. And we want this to be light and clean, and you have confidence that this is a system that will always yeah. stay light and clean. And that's right. really the driving goal there, is to make sure that you have a, a high-confidence, durable system over time. The other thing people forget is that you can take Win32 apps and upload them, you know, submit them to the to the store. With right. the desktop bridge, yeah. Yep. With the yeah. desktop bridge, and then, and then that allows you to download them through the store, and they run in a sandbox on the client. Well, and the thing is, the, the desktop bridge has a, it's a pretty light sandbox, mm. um, so you, there's definitely a lot of things that, uh, you know, a desktop bridge app can do that a standard Win32, or a, sorry, a UWP can't do. However, the, the desktop bridge still comes from Microsoft Store, right? And so we still have the ability to, um, if something somehow sneaks through or starts doing something, Later, right? I mean, it'd be easy to write that code if you were a bad person. You can kick it out, right? And so there's, there's, you know, you have this um, kind of policing factor, which will, right. will keep the ecosystem healthy. Yeah. And again, you know, there's the. It's always a fine line when you're when you're when you're doing things like that. And as Joe mentioned, you you have the kind of escape hatch, if you will, of, yeah. of being able to kind of upgrade it. But like, really, the goal is to to drive the ecosystem to these kind of clean, maintainable points. I love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And it, it's you know, you got to try it to find out. Is there everything there that you need? Like, if you're just sort of doing the fundamentals, you should be fine. Yeah, we think there's a lot of people who are going to find that this works great for them, and it's a durable solution over time. And over time, for more and more people, for the edges where it's not the right solution because they are depending on apps that aren't yet in the store, over time, those apps will get in the store. Yep. Um, so, well, we just had the announcement they're 
putting iTunes in the store. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you, 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 that means I could on my 10s machine have iTunes have on iTunes there. And Absolutely. Still, and still yep. be living in that. Um, I know. It was, it was Mark Rasinovich. I had this conversation years ago. I'm talking about whitelist versus blacklist. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're if you're doing sort of standard Windows with antivirus, that's a blacklist approach. You can install anything you want, but we have this blacklist. Yeah. We try and knock it out. The whitelist approach is we have an app store. Everything's vetted already. Nothing goes on your machine that isn't safe. Right? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. And iTunes. Speaking of viruses, <laughs> um, I wonder if the uh, the Windows version will actually look like a, a Windows app, or if it will still have that same it's, it's, horrible so UI. The, the version that's going in the store that they announced will be. It's going to use the desktop bridge. Okay. So okay. it will it will be a you know. Th- there's definitely some things that are. The this the lightweight sandbox that I mentioned that desktop apps run in that won't be possible. Um, like a driver is a great example. Right. Yeah, and sure. iTunes has a driver, so there's there's some aspects of that. But for the most part, for most of the things you're going to be doing, it'll work. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And it's just interesting to start thinking in those terms of how, you know, Microsoft's always been really good about giving us a path forward. Never leave anything behind. There's a new thing going forward, but it tend, we tend to also build up a lot of legacy around that we may or may not be using anymore. I look at both Nano and 10s now as ways to sort of let's see if we can cut away some of that old stuff. Are we okay? You know. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, absolutely. I, I've certainly had the experience as a .NET developer building web web apps and things like that. That I thought I was in 64-bit. I compiled a 64-bit, but I was still dependent on a 32-bit driver somewhere or something, and I didn't really know. And it wasn't. I, I was testing some software in Nano. It's like this app doesn't run. And then you find out, oh, no, you've got this dependency on this driver at 30-bit, and it just won't run on Nano. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to go, you're not really 64. Yeah. You thought you were. You had, no, you had no idea how reliant you were on the, the 32-bit subsystem, um, right? Some, Yeah, something in the subsystem somewhere, right? Are there um, new innovations in the XAML world, in the markup world, at my, coming out of Microsoft that we should be aware of? New innovations in the XAML world? Yeah. Um, we're constantly thinking about uh, how XAML, and if you will, XAML's today flat, 2D. You started off by talking about HoloLens, which yeah. is this, or VR in yeah, general, yeah. which is a really immersive environment. It's really a world environment, and everything kind of is uh, objects and has mm. some sort of depth to it. Um, and so like, how do we allow developers to start you know, leveraging their assets in that world, and what makes sense for leveraging their assets in that world? And so you know, uh, we do spend a lot of time thinking about is there how do we bridge the world and it's part of the you know fluent design system what's the right way to make this work across when you when you jump into the depth system when you jump into you have all of a sudden you have true depth in that world yeah, right um, what does make sense and so you know when, when you think about you know you know innovation but it's it's something that we know that there's some step that we can take there that mm. feels like the right step we know mm. if you're going to build a world we're, we happen to be in a room now if I'm going to build this room world that simulates the fact that we have four people in this room with chairs, that's going to be some kind of 3D tech that you're probably not going to build with XAML. Right. But there are yeah, other there things. Yeah, there was this XAML 3D stuff that I actually took for a spin once. It's essentially defining an entire 3D object in XAML. And I thought, oh my God, who's going to edit that? How do you walk through that XAML markup exactly and, the- and find the exact triangle that you need to tweak? Yes. You, you're what? in a tool. You're in a tool yeah. for that kind of content. But if right. I'm, you know, I'm looking right now at Rich and Carl and uh, you, if I had a device on, maybe I see something over that reminds me that I'm looking at, right. you know, Rich and Carl right. and that cool. to my right is Mike. And what does that look like? And right. is that something that's so complex that I need to do a you know, open up a 3D studio to build that sort of a thing. Right. And so we're, we're thinking about how do we, how do we, you know, make those worlds play a little better together. Well, the Holo, HoloLens uh, object designer, what's it called again? HoloSuite? Uh, Holo Studio. Holo Studio. Holo Studio, yeah. That's pretty cool. I, I actually built some really cool things in that just using, you know, my gaze and my, my fingers. Yeah, it is a it's Very super advanced compelling. tech. And, and so we, we think about Brit. Bridging those. How do yeah. you make it as approachable as possible right. without really diluting the end product, if yeah. you will? And when does it make sense? Because not everything makes sense necessarily to be 3D in a VR or MR environment. There are some things, especially annotations. Yeah. That, does that, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm reading content in there. 
Mm. Does content need to be right. 3D? And if so, what's the easiest way for me to get my content in that? Yeah. And so that's more of, you know, what we're thinking about now moving forward is we do want to create a design system that sort of unifies as much as possible the different worlds that we're dealing with now in 2D and 3D. And we know XAML will play some part in that. Right. How's, how's your relationship with Unity going? I mean, it looks really great and you guys are all doing some good stuff. What, are there things that you're working on with Unity to uh, sort of more tightly integrate with uh, the Microsoft platform? Well, I mean, there's, I think there's a couple points of integration. Um, on the, certainly on the .NET side, mm -hmm. there's, um, you know, moving, Unity is moving to, to you know, I, I'm not sure at what point, but I believe they're moving to .NET Core. And they're definitely moving to .NET Standard 2.0. Awesome. Right, so that's, that's something that, you know, is, is obviously useful. That's great. Um, from, the, from the HoloLens and, you know, 3D, you know, mixed reality, uh, the side of things, the HoloLens team actually spends much more energy working with them than, than yeah, we do on the, yeah, yeah. the core platform team. So, sure. you know, we don't, we don't spend as much time in, in the Unity world. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get Miguel back here, cause uh, they're using, you know, model for the runtime in Unity that yeah. Miguel would, uh, he's also a great source for, for what they might be thinking. Yeah. We should have him in. He should be toweled off by now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, we got to match it one. Right. <laughs> it's too bad you guys don't have live video to go along with your podcast. Well, thank God for that. Actually, <laughs> I was going to say, that's not too bad. Read <laughs> yeah. um, a fourth. <laughs> Put it on. Put it all on. Take it off. Put it back on. Put it on. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm excited that with, to me, XAML seems like the best place for us to be able to code against all these new UIs. Mm. Like the different input in configuration. That, that is the battle in my mind. And, and I mean, I hope, I hope HoloLens becomes a, a definitive standard or sort of a definitive new way to work with, uh, with uh, computing. I, I don't know if it's there yet, but mm. it's like this, this seems like the most interesting thing we could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough to know, uh, you know what the future looks like and whether you're looking at it or not. Right. But there's certainly elements in there, no matter what, that feels like it's taking steps towards what a future might look like um, in terms of computing and interacting with, with computing devices. And you're, and you're right, movies have messed us up too, right? And Jarvis, <laughs> like Myron, it's like, look, it's a movie. That yeah. is really, really difficult to do. What they're, yes, what they're showing yeah. there is just not a simple problem. Uh, another movie that messed me up was Her, if you ever saw Her, which is right. uh, yeah, right. yes, sure. which is like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to be interacting with my with yeah, my OS. just the disembodied voice huh? all, all the time. And I go, yeah. that is kind of cool. How, is that is that realistic? Well, as long and, as it's Scarlett Johansson, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's. I think it's one of those things that, and you know, you've seen this with the, you know phones are going to kill PCs and oh now Alexa is going to kill everything it's like you obviously people that are um, you know in the financial world I, I think spin up these these kind of memes effectively just to kind of talk about you know companies kind of rising and falling but realistically speaking all of these metaphors arise and they're good at a set of things right, right. and they and they kind of find their niche right mm -hmm. so i mean i think you find people are using PCs less than they were before yeah but they're still using them a ton, yes. right? And they've kind of found the niche as the place to be the most productive, right? So when you look, when you really need to get something done, you need a mouse and a keyboard, yep. right? Yeah. And you get in front of that mouse and keyboard and you are really productive, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you need to do something when you're, when you're on the go really quickly, you can, you can use a phone. Maybe someday you'll use a HoloLens or something like that. But right. you're going to use the thing that's, that's the most, you know, best choice for you at the moment, right? right, right, right yeah. Universe. And so really what it becomes, this is Satya's vision and he had this a while ago, right? But the idea is, all of the data you need, right? Everything, the source of truth is in the cloud, right? All your experiences are available wherever, whatever you need them, right? And if the right access point is a, a vocal, a way to, you know, talk, you do that. If it's to use a phone and a small screen and touch, you do that. Um, but the idea is that you have kind of Rome, um, the timeline view effectively, I like to think of it as, it's like your taskbar in the cloud, right? right? It's all mm -hmm. the things you're doing in your life in one big list and you can see them and you can continue them and pick them up and roam them anywhere. So it's really cool. There's one thing that occurs to me that that go, doing the XAML standard spec will really enable, and that is a revitalization of the third-party controls uh, industry and the marketplace. Because now a vendor doesn't have to write three, four, five different versions of of a single XAML control. You know, they can you can actually have XAML controls that go everywhere. Yeah, we do think uh, th that uh, in talking to third parties, we do recognize that it can be challenging at times. Yeah. And we yeah. see that actually in UWP because, uh, and sometimes they'll develop for other markets before they do UWP because they're just looking at what's, what are the hot markets 
right now. Where are the customers and, and, right and now? And if it's not super easy for them to also build for UWP because it's different syntax, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. then guess what? They're, it's going to take them longer to They're do that. Gonna, and they, so have to, they have to focus on where the bulk of their customers are at that moment. That's right. And, and then the, work on future platforms. Yeah, yeah, the more productive we can make everybody, including third-party yeah. control vendors, the better off we're actually, the reality is the better off we're all going to be. Yeah. The yeah. less code they have Sample to write to get everywhere. going to make a huge difference for that problem. Because like, now as a developer, I don't have to buy several toolkits. And, mm -hmm. and you know, because why would I do that? Or I worse, just, because what's more valuable than money is your time. You won't have to learn several toolkits. Yeah, I don't yeah. have to learn. I can buy one toolkit and I can pick a control that I like and I can pretty much be guaranteed that that's going to run everywhere. That's huge. Yep. Yeah. 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 So what's next? What are, I mean, this is all next, but you know, <laughs> what's next for you guys? That uh, well, certainly on the XAML standard is you know we we talked about uh, getting 1.0 out the door, yeah. which will happen uh, later this year. Yeah. Taking customer feedback and figuring out where we can where we can take that is really the from a, a XAML perspective is a big step. Another thing, um, the .NET standard 2.0 thing um, is absolutely fantastic. But one of the things that sort of uh, I do think about a lot, which is one of the great things about uh, .NET Standard 2.0 is that now you get a bunch of libraries that you may have written before that may be data access li libraries that, hey, I want to reuse those in UWP. Yeah. And it turns out um, there's actually work for UWP UI to actually work with all the, if you will, existing technologies. Uh, if you use a data set, a mm. uh, data yeah, table. Yeah, ADO.NET's back. ADO.NET is back. UI talk to it? And then <laughs> how do we, and uh, we had work in WPF to make, WPF work great with the data set, but we haven't necessarily done that same work throughout UWP XAML. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the thing next is we also want to make, you know, from a .NET Standard 2.0, we want to make our UI work great with .NET Standard 2.0, and we realize there's actually more work to do in, in that space. Um, and so we'll continue to, to march on there. That's and, very cool. And it's great to see it's all being done in the open. Like anybody can can make an issue or make a fee uh, provide feedback into the standards. So. Absolutely. That's what we want to do in the open. We want yeah. people's feedback. Um, yeah. It helps immensely yeah. for us to just make sure we're going on the right path. And the same even when we start doing the, more of the data access layer and trying to make sure that works great. Mm. We have to rely on customers for their feedback mm -hmm. in terms of what they've already got and what they're trying to reuse because that helps us tune what it is that, that we're doing. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Thank you very much, yeah. Mike, Joe. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band.